Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm Mark Pugh, pastor um, of Outreach and Operations here at the Vine, and it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning to to get to share from, from God's great word here as we continue our sermon series in the book of Isaiah. Today we're in Isaiah 65. And, uh, you know, I, so I kind of pause on this a little bit. Uh, um, I think we, we probably all have certain memories that we cherish. You know, memories that bring us warmth or care or love in our lives. I know for me, one of my favorite memories is being a little guy and waking up really, really early on Christmas morning and running downstairs to go look at the Christmas tree. <clears throat> My main goal was to see how many tags said the name Mark versus my, my brother or my sister or mom or dad. And uh, it was great. Um, the, the, the problem was, though, after you saw those gifts, you had to wait. Yeah, you had to wait for your mom and dad to get up and give you the green light to go open up the gifts. You know, you're looking at these gifts and it's like, this is just such an awesome moment. And I'm the baby, so I think several times they sent me, they deployed my older brother and sister to deploy me to be the ones to go get mom and dad up because I think, hey, it's a little harder to say no to the little guy. Um, but, you know, after we opened up our gifts, then I'd get on the phone. And I'd call up my buddies, Bob and Roman, and I'd be like, what did you get? And then we would sort of plan our day to just hang out and enjoy each other. And I don't think we could have figured that out at the time, but in looking back at that, I believe this was um, just a little experience of what we're going to be reading about today in the new heavens and the new earth. There's a lot of similarities in this. You know, we do, we prepare for heaven. Well, you prepare for Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, they had this thing called the J.C. Penney Holiday Catalog. Yeah, yeah, and you circled everything, you earmarked it, and you made sure mom and dad knew all the gifts you wanted. And then you had to wait. We wait for heaven. We, we wait for this beautiful gift that we're going to receive with Christ, just like we waited for our Christmas gifts. We're going to experience unbelievable community in heaven. And I, I don't know what your Christmas day was like, but mine was usually filled with friends and family. It was a great time of fellowship. And we'll experience rest. We'll experience rest in heaven, just like we, we all do in this room. Everybody experiences rest on Christmas with the exception of every single mom that's in here. You know, I, I'm still excited about the gifts. I still love the food and the, and the fellowship and, and the time that we have during Christmas. But how much better, how much better is our lives going to be in the new heavens and the new earth? You know, this morning from our passage, we're going to see that we have a hope that changes everything. You know, it can make us wake up every day excited about our future. This hope can help us see that, that our current life, our current way of life, it's, it's, it's more than just the daily grind of our work. It's more than trying to raise perfect kids or acquiring stuff. No, we've got a lot more to look forward to than that. We're going to see in this passage that, that God, he gives hope to the brokenhearted. 
He gives hope to the marginalized, to those that are hopeless, he gives hope. I think this applies to us just like it did the, the Jewish people back in the day. You know, the, the Jewish people, Israelites, they were getting ready to lose their way of life. Isaiah was warning them that God was about to discipline them because they had not worshipped him. They were getting ready to go into exile. And they were probably pretty confused. Like, why would God let this happen? That kind of sounds familiar today. You know, we're exiles here. This isn't our home. Sometimes it feels pretty hopeless. But this passage today should help us see we have a hope that changes everything. Let's look at Isaiah 65. This is verses 17 to 25. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and a sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people. For my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands." They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, thus says the Lord. So let's, let's just start with a little context like we do oftentimes. Again, we're in the sermon series in, in Isaiah. It's towards the end of the book. Um, the northern kingdom, which you'll see the term Israel, uh, was, was being conquered. They, they were conquered in 722 B.C. by Assyria. And Isaiah now, he's talking to the southern kingdom to Judah. That's what they called the southern kingdom of Judah. And he's warning them. Last week, Pastor Tim, he taught on the passages right before this in 65. And he showed us that the Israelites, they were a rebellious people. And their military loss was the consequence because they didn't desire to worship God. God had allowed those who were to know him, the Israelites, to wander away and to go off and, and, and look for their own desires but God also honored his covenant. He gave grace to an undeserving people. He, he said that he would honor the remnant. He would have a remnant of his people to carry on his name. And he said he would take care of them even while they were in exile. You know, today I think we're struggling too. We're in a type of exile. This is, again, this is not really our home. Our, our issues may look a little different than Israelites, but they're very real to us. You know, earlier this year, before our elder and our staff retreats, our elders went out to the members of our congregation, asked a couple of questions, asked how are they doing in their faith. 
How are we doing with the church? And, and we learned a lot of different things through those conversations and some themes that we heard from the congregation about their struggle is that, that we're, we're all struggling. It's not a shocker. We're struggling with being busy. You know, we're struggling with emotional and physical suffering. There's a lot of marriages that are struggling right now that are hurting. Many of our adult kids are not flourishing. There's a lot of mental issues and anxiety that are rising. You know, unfortunately today, it kind of seems like we're putting our hope in, in some things that maybe we shouldn't. We're, we're putting our hope in raising great kids. And, and we carry some pride in that and we carry some shame in that at times. We put our hope in, in getting a good job so we can have a higher pay so we can have security. We put our hope in, in being able to acquire stuff that would give us comfort, maybe status. We put our hope even here in the church about treating people well so, so they'll like us. We put our hope in, in social media, having likes and followers, or, or we even put our hope in our beauty and our health. Reality is none of that's really bad. But it's all fleeting. You know, in a couple of days, in weeks, in years, it won't matter like we think it does. And hopefully our passage today will help us see that, that God can give us a new set of priorities to help us grow as followers of, of Jesus. And that those new priorities might give us a greater sense of purpose and peace in our lives. So again, we have a hope that can change everything. And in, in this passage, we see that the new heavens and earth will bring us joy. We see that in the beginning of it in verses 17 and 18. We see right away that God is recreating his creation. You know, this new creation is going to be so good that the current old one, the one we're living in now, we're not going to remember it. We won't remember the pain that we're dealing with today. We see this, this word in verse 18 called Jerusalem. That's us. That's the church. That's God's people. That we will be a joy. That's amazing to think about. Now, I know we're supposed to be a joy today. Our desire in our church for everyone is to flourish in God's grace. And this, this flourishing, it, it, it comes from this word shalom or, or peace, that, that that would bring us joy. But this is hard because we live in a fallen and broken world. Every one of us is, is broken in some way. Every one of us is sinful. Every one of us has Moments in their day that they're self-centered and that we really, if we asked ourselves the question, we're not really that interested in what God's got for us. We're just like the Israelites. We're a rebellious people. So how good will it be to have joy all the time? That we would eternally be a joy for everyone. To me, that's, that's kind of beyond my comprehension. But this is, the, this is what we're promised with this hope that we have. You know, I think as Christians, sometimes we do sense this. We, we get a taste for this, for this joy. We get a glimpse of the beauty that, that heaven will provide us as we experience fellowship with, with God's people. When I'm taking a walk with brothers in Christ and sharing a, a story or a meal, I, I get a sense for that. Even, even when I'm playing pickleball with the guys now, because I'm old. And that's what old people do. They play pickleball. 
But I get to enjoy that joy because I know these guys are for me. They're not against me. You know, any parent can relate to this right now. Anyone that has kids knows what a, a great feeling it is to see their children flourishing and that they are content with who they are and whose they are. It is it's fantastic for me to see the girls when their identity is coming from Jesus and their identity is not coming from something on this earth or what their friends say about them. All followers of Jesus all followers of Jesus will have this peace all the time. All the time in the new heavens and new earth. So we have this hope. We got this hope that changes everything. And in the new heavens and earth, we won't suffer. We see this in verse 19 and 20. We see that, that God is actually rejoicing over us. The God of all creation is rejoicing over us in the new heavens and new earth. There will be no weeping. Infants won't die. Someone would be considered a young man if they died at 100 years old. And that's not saying somebody's going to die in heaven. That is merely an unbelievable, unfathomable illustration to somebody who was living in 720 B.C. That somebody would die at 100 years old and be called young. And we see something just like it right after that. That those who don't know Jesus will be cursed for 100 years, which is an implying forever. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of weeping today because we're not in the new earth. You know, one of my best friends just got diagnosed with cancer. I lost my mom to cancer. Rhonda lost her mom to ALS. We lost Roger, Rhonda's brother, at 49 years old to cancer. The list goes on and on, but we're not alone. There's so many people in this church that are experiencing pain and hurt right now. We need this beautiful reminder of the hope that we are given. We need this. I think we get to see a little bit of this hope unfold. We see just a little gladness shine in as we serve and care for those people that are in struggle, as we, as we sit here and we wait for the new creation, we wait for Jesus' return, and as we serve them, we, we get this little taste of what heaven is. Now, I, I would ask all of y'all, if you want to get a taste of what heaven might be like, sign up and serve at a funeral here at this church. I'm always amazed at how many people drop everything they're doing to help the brokenhearted. I know this is hard. It's hard to apply this, this promise that we have, this hope when we're in the middle of enduring a struggle. Uh, there's a beautiful well, quote on this from Alastair Begg. I'm going to read it. It, it, it. He says, death for the Christian is to fall asleep in the arms of Jesus, waking up and finding out that you're home. You know, we tend to forget that we're exiles today. We, we forget that we, we don't, our permanent home's not really coming, Georgia. It's heaven. Uh, I got to tell you a little, little secret. Uh, I've been lying about this for a long, long, long time. 
Uh, I've told countless people that I am from God's country. Yeah, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, that's God's country. Except it's not. Yeah, it's not God's country. We, we might get a taste of God's country here, but God's country is not here yet. It's in the unseen, not the seen. We see a beautiful verse on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Man, it'd be great if we could all just look at our lives through this lens, especially while we suffer. You know, as we keep looking at our passage, we see the new heavens and the earth. It impacts the way we view our work and our stuff. We see this in verse 21 and verse 22. Here we see the, the beauty of work in the new earth, that we get to enjoy the work of our hands. You know, back in 700 BC, pretty much everybody worked with their hands. And I, I got a, a pretty decent feeling that just like us, they didn't always love their work. You know, and, and, and part of that is probably just like us, they forgot that their work isn't just about the fruit that they're going to get from their vineyard or the, the money they're going to make from their wage, that, that a big part of why we work, it's about loving our neighbor. It is one of the primary places that God drops us in is to work. There's so many aspects of it that is all about loving our neighbor and that gives us a different purpose and work. And in verse 21, we also see a reference to eternal security given. As we build a house, knowing that no one else will ever live in it. You know, we get pretty wound up over our houses today. At least we do. And we tend to forget the fact that Somebody else is going to live in every home here after we die. Now, Isaiah says the same thing about the field that we plant. No one will take the fruit that they will get from their work ever. And this is a, it looks to me like this is a direct comparison from what is found in Deuteronomy 28, 15 to I think 68. And I think the Israelites would have known this. This was a, a, a curse that they would have known about. And it's pretty brutal. You might, you might read it on your own, uh, Deuteronomy 28. But I've got two passages here. It says 15, and this is for the people who don't trust and obey Jesus. 15 says, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And then you fast forward a few verses and verse 30 says, you shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. So thank, thank God for Jesus. It's because of him and his work on the cross that, that God the Father sees us as clean and pure. You know, we're not avoiding these curses because of how great we are or how great our work is. We avoid them because we trust in Jesus 
And it's his grace that saves us. It's his grace that changes us and helps us see that sometimes we're spending our money and time on things that are just not that important. We get confused that we think, hey, maybe our job is to go acquire more stuff. And this is stuff that we're ultimately going to leave behind to other people. This is the curse. You know, realizing our hope in Christ and the new earth helps us to be generous with all that we are because we learn what is seen is fleeting and what is unseen is eternal. You know, like all of us, I've struggled with this. I remember a time when I was consulting and uh, uh, we had this opportunity, the client I was working with had an opportunity to pitch uh, a huge pharmaceutical out in California that, that had the brand Botox. And Botox would have been a game changer. And the owner really wanted me to go on this sales pitch. And the problem was I was running another project in Pittsburgh and it wasn't doing so good and it needed my attention. And we had two little girls and my mom was dying of cancer. The problem wasn't so much what I did, the decision I made. The problem was why I made the decision. So I wasn't living free. I, I wasn't making a decision realizing, hey, I'm, it's not my work that gets me to heaven. I'm, I'm already there. God loves me because of the work of Jesus on the cross. I didn't have that in mind. I was focused on success today. I needed that. I liked being needed. I thought I could do it all. I wasn't free at all. I didn't make a, a, a decision on a hope that was real. Whatever I was putting my hope in wasn't leading me to freedom or peace. And I remember those two weeks, man. I remember they were super stressful because I didn't let Jesus help me. And we have a hope that changes everything. In the new heavens and the new earth, we will be close and intimate with God and we will be fully restored and unified. And we see this in verses 23 to 25. In the new earth, we and those in our family who believe that Christ died and was raised from the dead will be intimate with God. You know, our, our, our passage tells us that, that we will know him so well that before we ask, he'll answer. I think this is an, an intimacy that, that we're probably not experiencing here. We probably can't hardly get it. The, maybe the best illustration that we have is a, a really healthy marriage that is full of sacrificial love. And even every best marriage is flawed in some way. I think being in heaven, being that close to God at that moment will, will be a million times better than any moment that we've had with him here on earth. There'll be no more times of dry worship where we're not able to listen and hear him or rest in him well. This last, the last verse, verse 25, shows us that we'll feel complete, that we won't have conflict, that, that creation will be restored, that we will have unity. You know, in the new heaven and earth, we, we won't have this constant feeling of this isn't right. You know, today we have so many things that we can look around in and we say, this, this isn't right. It makes us cry out. 
on uh, short-term mission trips. I've, I've seen uh, people living on the side of a mountain in Peru that, that just struggling to have the necessities of life. I, I can remember being in India in a very crowded street where people were going to work in Calcutta, thousands of people running around. And here's a guy that slept on the street the night before and his alternative for a bath is he's naked using the public water spout. That's not right. You know, we've seen images of, of people dying trying to cross the Mediterranean Sea because of refugee. They're a refugee leaving a terrorist opportunity that, that they've got to get away from, and they don't make it. And here in Forsyth County, we see families, we see kids that, that don't have a mom or dad, and they're struggling in our foster care system because we don't have enough homes to care for them right now. This isn't right. And no more will we say that in the new heavens and new earth. That will be amazing. So what do we do now? You know, we've talked about that we have this hope that changes everything and it maybe would, would change our priorities. Maybe it would help us want to see restoration of all these different people that, it, that we would want to share the hope that we have to these people. You know, to experience something that really is better than Christmas morning. But you know what? There, there may be some people in here that are still struggling with who is Jesus. I, I get that. Um, but I, I wanted to take a moment out this morning and make sure we know who he can't be. See, Jesus, he can't be just a great moral teacher and not be God. He can't. There's a lot of people, there, there, there's actually not a lot of people necessarily that would refute that, that he was a man, that he lived. There's so much evidence and so much change in history that most people would, would buy into that. But, but there are people out here, including myself 30 years ago, that would have said, oh, he's a great moral teacher, but I'm not really convinced he's God. But I want to make it really clear to everybody in here this morning that that's impossible. Because that's what he said. He said, I'm God. We see it in the scriptures. And if he said he was God and he wasn't God, then that pretty much makes him a liar or a lunatic. We see this in, in John chapter 8. John was one of the closest to Jesus, one of the apostles. And it says, he said, John 8, 23, 24 says, you are from below. This is Jesus speaking. I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I and he, you will indeed die in your sins. And then a few chapters later in 14, he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we got to decide. We got to decide, is Jesus the Lord of our life? Or is he a lunatic or a liar? What, what am I trusting? He's got to fall into one of those categories. So, so I, I want us to make sure that we have no doubt in our minds that if we want to see and experience the new heavens and the new earth, we've got to put our trust in Jesus. We have to trust that he is who he said he was, that he's the son of God, that he, that he came to die for our sins, to take our sins away from us, to take our punishment from us, and to give us forgiveness, to give us righteousness, 
right standing with God the Father. He is the gift that is way better than any Christmas gift that we will ever get. So as we think about this, um, you know, I I want us to, to just take a moment to pause and ask ourselves a question. This question is, is what are we putting our hope in? And uh, as we reflect on that question, is, is there other things besides Jesus that we're putting our hope in? If we can show that question. So let's just take a moment of quiet and reflect on that. Lord, I, I beg you to do, do a work in my heart that I wouldn't question this hope that you've given us. That I would really believe, that we would all believe that you are the hope that changes everything and it's not about us and what we do. Lord, help us. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.